You are listening to the IMN podcast produced by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion. We've asked members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to share how their lives have been blessed by living the gospel of Jesus Christ. To the Savior's request, come follow me, they have all responded, I am in. Today's guest speaker is Jim Duthie, a meteorologist with KTVB Channel 7 in Boise, Idaho. Jim Duthie was born in Mesa, Arizona. After attending a year of college at Arizona State University in Tempe, he served a two-year mission in Pennsylvania. After returning home, he married his wife, Tammy, in the Mesa, Arizona Temple. After another year at Arizona State and after the birth of their first baby boy, they moved to Salt Lake City, Utah. Jim attended the University of Utah, graduating with a Bachelor of Science degree in meteorology. Jim worked in private weather forecasting as well as broadcasting on television and radio, which kept the Duthies in the Salt Lake area for almost 18 years. In 1998, they moved to Idaho to work for two local television stations, as well as private weather consulting. In addition to working for KTVB Channel 7 in Boise, Idaho, Jim also hosts a weekly gardening feature called You Can Grow It. Brother Duthie enjoys gardening, reading, camping, kayaking, and traveling. Together with Tammy, their travels have taken them throughout much of the U.S., parts of Canada, and Mexico, as well as eight European countries. Jim and Tammy love Idaho and have made it their home. They look forward to pending retirement and serving in whatever capacity the Lord may find to use them. Hi. Um, I've been up since 2 o'clock this morning. And I'm trying to get used to this new schedule that I've been forced into in the last week or so. And, and so my mind's a little bit mushy by the end of the week. So I've got some pretty copious notes here, so don't mind me if I end up reading a lot of things just so I can't keep my thoughts in line here. But, but thank you for, for the chance to come today. This is, this is wonderful. I didn't know you guys did this until uh, Sister Burke contacted me a couple months ago and invited me to come, and uh, I'm glad she did so I could participate in this. This is a, a wonderful thing. So It's good to, to see you all here today, too. Um, I, uh, I'm a product of two other universities, uh, Arizona State and, and Utah, but Boise State's kind of our school. We've been here about 25 years, and our son graduated from Boise State, and as mentioned, he is actually employed for Boise State now. He's a he's a guidance counselor for all of the online students, and he loves that job. And uh, and so I think he'll probably be here for for some time. That's the one part of the school that's really been growing the most over the last two years, obviously because of, of the pandemic. And so if you ever run into AJ Duthie on campus or something, or, or talk to him for one reason or another, that's that's my boy. Um. I, uh, I've listened to a few of the previous guests in their podcasts and, and really enjoyed their messages and their testimony and, and the spirit that they carried. So hopefully I can share a few things with you today that uh, might be meaningful to you. They certainly are to me and uh, might be of help sometime in, in your life. You know, several years ago when I was working in Salt Lake City, I was heading into work one morning and listening to the traffic reporter on the radio. 
and uh, she explained where there were slowdowns and where there were bottlenecks and which routes to avoid and which alternative alternative routes to take and and uh, and then she finished up her, her traffic report and she said in the name of Jesus Christ amen and this was on the radio and it was really funny but you know only in Utah right and we it was funny but I knew this this reporter I knew her she was a member of the church good active member of the church and I thought well it's just natural isn't it that that would just kind of slip out uh, she explained later on that that she had been taking some cold medicine and just kind of a little bit out of sorts that morning, but uh, it impressed me that that she would uh, do that because sometimes it's the things that are in our heart that spill out naturally, right? And and those are the things that the everyday things that we do and, and say. So I hope my heart and your heart um, are always in that right place, so that others that hear us and see us can can be uplifted and and feel the kindness and love we have for them. Well, I mentioned uh, a minute ago, or I meant to mention that uh, we're all on a life journey, right? Um, life is a journey from beginning to end. And uh, you think about it, uh, it's like kind of like a road trip, isn't it? Um, I often think about, about how my life has been like road trips I remember when I was a kid. Don't, I love to take road trips. I don't know about you. Gas is getting pretty expensive, but I, I like... Hitting out on the open road, getting in the car, uh, have a destination to go to, and and uh, it may take a little bit longer. Some people like to hop on a plane and get there as fast as they can, but I like to see the things along the way and plan our trips that way. I remember some of those family vacations when I was little. Uh, the nice thing about riding in a family car as a, as a kid was that you didn't have to worry about anything. Your parents had to worry about all the planning and preparation and putting everything together and getting there and getting home and all that kind of stuff, the car maintenance. And all you had to do was pack your favorite toy or books or video game or whatever, throw in your flip-flops and your swimming trunks and, and some shorts, and you were all set to go. And I loved riding in the back of our station wagon. Um, we had station wagons in those days. No SUVs back then. And uh, we had one of those that had the seat way in the back that faced backwards, so you can make faces at cars as they came up to pass you, and uh, watch the scenery go by. Then as you got a little bit older, you moved up into the back seat, and you fought with your brothers and sisters to see who got to sit by the window, right? So you could see all the scenery as it went by. And you'd play those games like I Spy, and count license plates, and mark off the alphabet from road signs, and things like that. And eventually you got to learn to drive. And to test your skills and make a few mistakes, hopefully not serious ones. You learn how to go fast and how to go slow, how to brake, how to change gears, how to pass people, sometimes recklessly, but you learn how to be a good driver. And you learn how to use a road map. We didn't have GPS then, uh, like we do now, but uh, that's an important thing, to be able to find where you want to go. So one day, you're in your own car, and you're setting off to your own destinations. And although you aren't always quite sure where you're going to go or how you're going to get there, it's a thrill, isn't it? Kind of be in charge of your own, your own life journey. So you find yourself on back roads. Sometimes you get into dead ends. Um, often you're on a fast-moving freeway. And life picks up a pretty quick pace. You might choose to linger in the right lane, where it's a little bit slower. And... Uh, you might choose to be in the left lane where you're speeding by without paying attention to the scenery. 
and hurrying to get somewhere, passing other people. And, and then one day you look in your rearview mirror and there's some lights. And you get pulled over and you have to pay the penalty. That's life. That's what life is, those kind of things. Sometimes you run out of gas or you have a flat tire or you may even need to be towed on occasion. But finally at some point you approach your destination and I feel like I'm at that point now where I'm on the freeway but I'm cruising toward an exit ramp. And I'm going to find a quieter road one of these days. And I don't know, maybe along that road there will be people that I need to help. Motorists that are broken down. And But uh, I'll have a pretty girl sitting in the seat next to me as we move into that part of our life's journey. Um, I was asked to focus my thoughts today on how the gospel of Jesus Christ has blessed me in my personal and private, or personal and professional life. Um, they're the same thing, your, your, your personal life, your professional life, it's, it all kind of flows together, doesn't it? Pretty soon, after many years, <clears throat> it's part of your identity. Um, I've known people who have lost a job or retired, and they go, I don't know what to do with myself. Um, because that was their identity all their life. But I think by being members of the church and recognizing the blessings that the Lord has given you in your life, that becomes your identity if you let it. And it doesn't matter what you're doing and what stage of life you find yourself in. I think also that uh, one of the greatest ways the gospel has blessed me in my life is that I, as a disciple of Christ, we all uh, have a different unique, different and unique perspective on life because we know where we came from. We know who we are and why we're here. And we know where we're going, at least where we hope to go. And that gives us a little unique look at where we're going to travel on our road of life. And there are a lot of people in life that don't have that perspective. And so when challenges arise and trials and things that come in their way, it's sometimes a little difficult to, to deal with. For them. Now, sometimes we tend to worry about a lot of things, and uh, mainly things we can't control anyway, and we often imagine that they're a lot worse than they actually are, and uh, we can get scared and discouraged. Um, it challenges our faith, and if we really let it get to us, it can weaken our faith or even destroy our faith. There's been too much of that lately among so many people we know and love. Many years ago, when I was a boy, my family decided to take a vacation to Disneyland. And since we lived in southern Arizona, we went up to Mesa first to visit some family for a couple of days. And my dad decided to take our Volkswagen van in to get it painted. Back then, there was this place called Earl Scheib. You could get your car painted for $29.95. And uh, he took it in, and he got it painted this beautiful, bright, shiny, candy apple red. It was gorgeous. It looked brand new by the time he got it. Well, as we left town, we stopped at a, a fruit stand, and Dad bought a case of oranges for us to eat along the way. And so we were enjoying ourselves crossing the desert, heading toward the Colorado River. We'll be crossing to California. And my grandmother was with us, and she mentioned if she wondered if they'd let us take those oranges into California. Back in those days, when you went from state to state, you often had to stop at an inspection station as you pulled into the state, and they would ask you, do you have any fruit? Do you have any plants? Because some of those things would bring plant diseases into their state and uh, might affect their agricultural industry. Like, you can't order potatoes 
and onions to be shipped in Idaho, like the seed catalogs and things, because they're protecting the industries of those things, which are pretty big. So anyway, my mom and my grandmother got to thinking, you know, that's true, that might, might not be able to do that. We don't want to waste all these oranges and have to give them away to the inspector there. So they started peeling the oranges and cramming them down our throats. <laughs> and after about four or five oranges, it was okay, that's fine, but that's enough. After about 10 oranges, I don't want any more. Well, fortunately, we were within about uh, a couple of miles of, of California, and we said, we're done, and there were just a few oranges left in the box. And we crossed the bridge over the river and pulled up into the inspection station. <clears throat> and the inspector asked my dad, welcome to California. Do you have any plants or fruits or vegetables in the car? He said, well, we had a case of oranges, but we ate most of them. There are a few oranges left here. We didn't think we'd be able to bring them in. The inspector said, oh, that's okay. They, they're fine. So we worried for nothing, stuffed ourselves with oranges for, for nothing, and we made a quick potty stop, all of us, and we had a good laugh about that, and for years after that, whenever the family got together, that was one of the, the fun family stories. But I guess the moral of the story is that uh, quite often things turn out to be much less serious and problematic than we first make them out to be. And uh, so that's part of the perspective of being grateful for your blessings and realizing that the Lord is always watching out for you. By the way, on that particular journey, we had a great time at Disneyland and the beach, and we went to San Diego Zoo, and then the transmission went out on that Volkswagen. So we're all at the zoo, my poor dad down there trying to get the transmission replaced and have to figure out how to pay for that. And then as we headed home across the California desert, we got caught in a really blinding sandstorm. That was the end of that paint job. <laughs> Well, uh, my life journeys started a little over 65 years ago, to mention that, but I'm the fourth of five children. I've got three older sisters and one younger brother. And at the time I was born, my family lived in a little tiny community out in the middle of the desert in Arizona where my dad was working. And so as the time of my delivery got a little closer, my mom was going into Phoenix to visit a doctor. And he suggested that you move into town to stay so that you're not that far away from a hospital when the time comes. So she went in and stayed with my aunt and uncle and their family, and I was born. And it wasn't until later on when I married my wife, who was from Mesa, that we found out that we were both born almost exactly a year apart in the same hospital, in the same delivery room, and the same doctor on call. Or at least we think it was the same doctor. Sometimes the, the journey you're making in life is largely determined by those who have gone before. And like Nephi, I like to think that I was born of goodly parents, uh, as well as grandparents and great-grandparents. And here's a little about my family background. My great-grandfather, Andrew Duthie, was born and raised in Scotland. And one day, he was walking through town in Glasgow, and he heard some beautiful singing. And so he followed it and found three pretty girls singing some church hymns. It was an LDS street meeting that they were having. This is back in the 1870s. And uh, he kind of liked one of those girls. And so he eventually joined the church, and he immigrated to Utah, worked really hard, sent some money back to bring Jenny over. To, uh, to join him in Utah, where they were sealed in the endowment house on Temple Square. 
because the Salt Lake Temple wasn't finished yet. Uh, they soon moved to Mexico because he had a job uh, as the mechanical engineer for a silver mine. He got part interest in the mine for that, and so they lived pretty well. They moved to one of the Mormon colonies that had been set up down there, and they lived there in pretty good life uh, until the revolution occurred in Mexico. And like thousands of other members of the church, they were driven out, thinking they would go back any time, and they just never did. They lost everything that they had there. But a few years later, after things settled down, my grandfather, their son, Joseph Duthie, went back down there and reclaimed the house and the property, started building it up once again. He married my grandmother, and pretty soon they started their family, and my dad was born, Joseph Duthie Jr., and he had a great life. He said it was the best childhood you'd ever want. He had horses, and he had property, and they had a little river through town they'd swim in, and it was just wonderful. Then on his eighth birthday, his dad was thrown off a horse and killed. On his birthday when he was eight years old. He was supposed to be baptized that night. He didn't get baptized until he was ten. The only reason he did get baptized was because his little sister was supposed to be baptized that day, and he stepped in front of her and says, you're not getting baptized before me. And he got baptized. But they soon moved out of Mexico and came to a little town in southern Arizona uh, where he met a little eight-year-old girl named Cleo, her mother. And uh, my mother's family came from the south. And uh, my great-grandfather, Patrick Haney, was converted to the gospel along with all of his family um, about the same time in the 1870s. And uh, that was in northern Georgia. It's kind of an interesting story in itself. There was a, a fellow who had been in the Civil War, had been involved with a cattle drive, and ended up in Utah. And uh, he really liked living among the saints there, even though he wasn't a member. And one day he had a dream. And he dreamed that he was walking down this road in the country, and there was a fork in the road, and he didn't know which way to go. And Brigham Young walked up to him in the dream and said, Take the left road. So he was sharing this dream with his landlady, who happened to be the wife of the bishop, and she said, I know what that means. You're going to join the church, you're going to go on a mission, and you're going to be faced with a decision. Follow the prophet's advice. Well, he did join the church. His name was John Morgan, uh, Morgan County in Utah. He founded the LDS Business College. Anyway, he was called to serve a mission in the southern states. So he was in Georgia, walking down a country road, and he came upon a fork in the road, and he thought, I remember that dream. He didn't know which way to go, so he said, well, in the dream, Brigham Young said to take the left road, so he did. And he came into this beautiful little valley called the Haywood Valley, and there were about 20 farming families living in this valley. And he went to every one of those families, and he preached the gospel. And all of those families, but one, joined the church. And one of those families was my my great-grandfather's family, that joined. And not long after, my great-grandfather was called to serve as a missionary there in that area, in his own home area. And he had a mission companion that came from Utah by the name of James T. Lisenby. And in time, he and Elder Lisenby organized a lot of those southern saints to migrate west um, into uh, Utah and Colorado and Arizona and other places. I never knew this story until years later uh, when I married a beautiful girl named Tammy Lisenby. And she was the great-granddaughter of Elder Lisenby. So that was a really neat story for us. So my life and my journey has been blessed by the gospel of Jesus Christ because almost everything that and everyone that preceded my coming into the world 
has been a result of generations of faithful people um, being guided by the Lord in their lives. Been traveling down different roads that led up to my own journey. When I turned eight years old, I was baptized. You were all baptized probably at eight. Some of you maybe a little later. It happened to be on Halloween night. And, oh, yeah, I was a little sad. I wasn't going to go trick-or-treating, but I was excited to be baptized. Uh, later on, there was an even more tangible blessing that came to me because my oldest sister worked at a drugstore. And she couldn't come to my baptism, but when I got home, she had brought home this huge bag of candy. And so I thought, the Lord does bless you for following his commandments. <laughs> well, throughout my youth, I always worked for my dad in various businesses that, that he had after school and during the summer. And I put all that money away for my mission. And over those years, it really started to add up. And, and it turned out to be a blessing for me because it financed my entire mission. It was also a blessing for my family because there were times when I was on my mission when there were some emergencies that came up and they needed some funds and they were able to tap into to that savings account. And no matter what, I had paid tithing on all that money and the Lord made it stretch and I never missed anything. And so that was a, something that stuck with me. Uh, when I turned 12 years old, I was excited to get the Aaronic Priesthood and be made a deacon. And there was a ward, again, because my birthday was in October, there was a ward Halloween party. It was on Saturday night. And uh, the next day, I was made a deacon on Sunday. That night, I went to bed with a little bit of a stomach ache. It got worse during the night until I was rolling in the bed and screaming. And first thing the next morning, as I was supposed to get up and go to school, the, tr the pain was tremendous. And then all of a sudden, it just stopped. And I had no strength at all. So my mother bundled me up and took me to the doctor where it was determined that my appendix had ruptured during the night. And the doctor said, you've got to get this boy to the hospital. He needs surgery now or he's going to die. And so my mother got me in the car. The doctor was heading out there on the way to the hospital. We stopped at my dad's work, and he gave me a priesthood blessing. And he, my dad's a faithful elder in the church. And I had the surgery that afternoon. And um, the poison or infection had gone all through my whole body. It took a while to recover. I was out of school for a whole month at home. Great. <laughs> and then when I did go back to school, I had to leave class early to avoid getting bumped in the halls and things. But I eventually recovered. And I always look back on that as a blessing from the Lord because of that priesthood blessing that my father had given me. So these kinds of, of experiences are actually seeds of testimony that gradually build with you, don't they, throughout your life? And testimonies of the priesthood, of the guidance of the Holy Ghost, the fact that we have a loving Heavenly Father who looks out for us. And those kind of blessings in our lives add up just like the money in my bank account for my mission. The small town in which I lived was right on the Mexican border. And so there was a, a very high Hispanic population in the town, predominantly Hispanic, about 90% or so. And so most of my friends were Hispanic, and most of them were Catholic growing up. So I would sometimes go to Mass with them. They would sometimes come to church with me. And in fact, one of my good friends took the missionary discussions. Um, unfortunately, it never went very far, but um, it was a good experience. And we had a fairly small ward, so there were only maybe 10 or 15 of us in the whole high school that were LDS. Uh, we had early morning seminary all four years, about 5.15 in the morning. And uh, what a great experience. I loved it. I guess that's why I'm always getting up early for jobs and things. But I loved seminary. 
And I had the same teacher for four years. It was a sweet sister in the ward whose husband had just passed away, and this was her way of making an income. And we knew that she loved us the way she was, and we loved her. So that was a great experience. And all of my friends and teachers and leaders in the church had a profound effect on, on my life and the choices I made. I learned that if you live the gospel as best you could, the Lord would guide you and protect you and bless you, and you'd be a lot happier in life, too. So I always wanted to do what my, my parents taught me and what I learned from those church leaders and, and teachers. Now, I wasn't a perfect kid by any means, but I felt like the Lord had a hand in my life. So after serving a mission in Pennsylvania, I returned home, and I married my sweetheart, who I had met before my mission while I was away at college. It's sort of been waiting for me, so I thought. Uh, I know I never dated once the whole time I was on my mission, but it was a little different with her. Um, but within a few months after my return, um, I proposed, and uh, we were sealed together in the, in the Mesa, Arizona temple. I had prayed to know if my decision to marry her was the right one. I felt it was. I was excited about it. And I, I received the answer that, yes, she is to be your eternal companion. She's the, she's the girl that you need in your life to make your life wonderful. And uh, so I popped the question, and there was a little period of anxiety and worry because she didn't immediately answer yes like I expect her to. Then she said she needed to pray about it and ponder it. Unfortunately, she got the right answer, and she said yes. And I've been blessed ever since. And what I've learned most about the blessings of the gospel of Jesus Christ in my life is that it is the one thing that is constant and unchanging while the rest of the world around us is always changing and in upheaval and turmoil and throwing all kinds of trials and challenges at us. How we handle adversity, pain, disappointment, sickness, death, and other life-changing decisions, our response to those things can be very different depending on how we let the power of Jesus Christ, His teachings, His atonement, play a role in our lives. Life is always full of big decisions, and challenges and choices. And believe it or not, I was actually a young adult once, and uh, I've also wrestled with the decisions of whether to serve a mission or not, uh, whether to marry now or later, who to marry. Um, the world threw all kinds of temptations at us back then as well, choices about morality, word of wisdom, uh, about uh, our choice of friends. Uh, the same challenges and temptations you face, and I think you probably, in many ways, have some more intense choices and challenges to deal with than we did. Uh, where to go to school, what career path to follow. And in my life, I've been a, a milkman's assistant, uh, a gas station attendant, a car washer, a math tutor, a tow truck operator, a uh, member of a band, a police dispatcher, um, an accounting clerk, a night custodian, and I worked on a road construction crew. I was a carpet and flooring salesman. You know that. And a weather forecaster and broadcaster on radio and TV. So each of those things has given me experiences, uh, some good, some not so good, but they help provide me a living. But what I've learned is that it's not what you do for a living that's important. It's the kind of living that you do, the kind of person you are, and the way you interact with others and how you treat them. I had originally planned to be a dentist, 
And then when I started college, I went into pre-architecture. And then I kept being drawn to the earth sciences. Um, I never planned on broadcasting, that's for sure. And I finally decided on seeking a degree in geography with a specialty in cartography, map making. I love maps. And you can sit me down even now with an atlas and I'm good for hours. Um, I'd always been fascinated by the weather too. And so um, seeking a degree in meteorology kind of served all of those purposes. And I finally got my degree from the University of Utah, Bachelor of Science in Meteorology. <clears throat> my first job was with a private weather forecasting company in Salt Lake City. I had planned on working for the National Weather Service. But when I left college, when I finished college, there was a federal hiring freeze. It was in effect for a few years. And difficult to wait, you know, when you're looking for a job. And finally this job came along in this private company and I, I took it and enjoyed it. And so stayed there for a while. I did daily forecasts for power companies, for uh, the national railroad system nationwide. Covered every inch of their track. We uh, forecasted for the Forest Service, especially during fire weather season. And one of my favorites was forecasting for film production companies. They would be out on site somewhere and need to know what the weather's going to be like with all of their equipment and people and everything else. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, part of my job at the time was also to update some radio forecasts every day. And so that kind of steered a little bit into the, the TV and radio thing. So you never know for sure which way your life journey is going to take you. You might have a little detour here or there or turn onto a different road. And uh, professionally, not all of them are bad. You may find something wonderful results. Uh, but amidst all that, my experiences and opportunities to serve in various ways in the church have probably been the greatest blessings in my life. Uh, from teaching Sunday school to leading the music to uh, missionary service, priesthood service, uh, working in the cannery, uh, helping people move, uh, serving in various priesthood uh, leadership callings. I was even a counselor in a young single adult branch for a while here in Boise. I loved that. Um, as a bishop, as a home teacher, now a ministering brother, and especially as a husband and father. Those are the real blessings of the gospel in my life, and I, I know there's a lot more to come. If you're striving to obey the Lord, when you're seeking his inspiration and guidance, you will get it. And it may make all the difference in what you do and how you do it. It may not always be the answer you were looking for, but you will get it. Now, sometimes inspiration takes a little bit longer and you have to wrestle with some of those decisions. Uh, sometimes you decide what you think is best, and then often only after making that decision does the confirmation come that you made the right choice. So after four years as a bishop while living in Utah, I lost my job. And I received an offer to move to Idaho to work at a local television station here in the valley. Not the one I'm at now. And uh, it was a difficult decision because, you see, living in Utah, we'd make fun of Idaho. So, <laughs> I don't know if I want to move up there. But I came up and checked out the job and, and felt it was the right thing to do. Felt very good about it. My wife, however, felt differently. She didn't want to leave friends, family, the ward we were in, our home there. And it was a hard decision for her, but she went to the temple and she prayed about it. And when she came home, she said, let's pack up, we're moving. She had received a, an answer. And so everything fell into place. And because of that move, one of the very first blessings we had was there was a situation that happened not long after we left 
Utah and came here that would have involved some of our family members in a very bad way. And we avoided that. And we were safe and protected here. So we left our, our home, our friends, a lot of family behind, and it's been a great blessing to be here for the past nearly 25 years. Um, these past couple of years have been difficult for everybody, right? Lots of changes and adjustments because especially of the pandemic and the social upheaval that's been going on over the last couple of years. So I feel blessed that we came through this pandemic as a family relatively unscathed. Um, we didn't lose any work or income. We remained healthy. Immediate family didn't suffer any serious consequences or deaths because of COVID. We have, however, lost some extended family members and, and friends and acquaintances. But my 95-year-old mom is in great health, and she remained healthy all through it. So I attribute that to good genes, but also the Lord's blessings. And over those past few years, uh, we've lost many friends and family spiritually, too, haven't we? All of us know someone who has left the church for one reason or another, especially just in the last couple of years. And in many ways, that's even more tragic than in the physical death. Well, as we listened to General Conference last weekend, we were reminded of the great blessings the Lord has extended to us because of our relationship with Him, uh, our relationship with the church, and by keeping the commandments as best as we can. And we aren't perfect, but the desire to follow the Lord is there. And so He blesses us for doing our best. Remember what it is that President Nelson invited us to do? He said uh, he's inviting us to increase the spiritual momentum in our lives. He said now is the time to draw on the power of positive spiritual momentum. Well, how do you do that? He shared five ways with us. He said, get on the covenant path and stay there. Discover the joy of daily repentance. Learn about God and how he works. Seek and expect miracles in your life and end conflict in your personal life, including those that are within your own heart. So each one of those points involves uh, seeking the Lord's blessing and recognizing them when they come in your life and then striving to bless others. Just one step at a time, meeting one challenge at a time and overcoming it, and you'll see mighty changes take place in not only your life, but in the world around you. How many of you like to visit cemeteries? Sounds kind of morbid, doesn't it? But I love it. I'm fascinated by wandering through old cemeteries and and like the ones you find up around Idaho City or up north of Stanley, some of those old mining ghost towns. Um, a few years ago, my wife and I traveled extensively in Europe, and we spent several days in Scotland, checking out some places where my family had come from. And uh, some of those graveyards we went into had graves that were dating back to the 1500s and 1600s. And at one point, we spent hours searching an old cemetery where my great-great-grandfather was supposed to have been buried. We didn't know exactly where his grave was. Uh, some of the headstones were really hard to read. And we were finally about to give up when my wife happened to look at an old grave, gravestone right next to where we were standing that was kind of sunken down into the ground a bit. And she just saw a name at the bottom that, I've heard that name before. It wasn't Duthie, but it was another name kind of related to the family that sounded familiar. And that smaller gravestone was kind of leaning up against the much bigger one so we couldn't read the inscription. So we very gently plied that tombstone back a little bit, and on that inscription was my great-great-grandfather's grave. And it listed not only his information, but all of his children and their birth dates. And all that information was available to us. So 
One other thing that fascinates me about those old gravestones, though, is the dash between the birth date and the death date. Because that dash represents an entire life, doesn't it? Um, who were they? Uh, how did they live? What was their life like? And did they recognize blessings of God in their life? So how are you filling in your own dash? Think about it. Got major milestones in your life ahead? And how you fill in that dash is all up to you. So are you taking advantage of the blessings that uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is providing in your life? What are those blessings? You ever sit down and try to count them like the old hymn, Count Your Many Blessings? I like light. I need light. And as a child, I was afraid of the dark. Even though I'm not afraid of the dark anymore, I prefer light. And last winter, we went to the Winter Garden Aglow up at the Idaho Botanical Garden. And there are hundreds of thousands of brightly colored lights through that garden. And uh, I overheard a parent say to their small child, what do you think about all these lights? And the child said, I like how it makes the dark go away. Uh, where there's light, there can be no darkness. The gospel of Jesus Christ is light. Jesus Christ is our Savior, and He's the way, the truth, and the light. And so the blessings of the gospel help us to live in the light and be a light to other people, too. I don't know if any of you have ever been up in northern Idaho on the Hiawatha Trail. Have you heard of it? Um, it's the old railroad bed, the train that used to run from Chicago to Seattle. And they pulled out the rails, and it makes a really nice bicycle path. But the unique thing about it is it goes through about uh, seven, uh, ten tunnels and crosses seven very high railroad trestles or railroad bridges. And it starts on the Montana side of the mountain. You go in the tunnel, is the St. Paul Pass Tunnel, and it's 1.67 miles long. And it is pitch black. There are no lights inside. All you see is the light right at the entrance. Way off in the distance, there's a little pinprick of light at the other end of the tunnel. And uh, so when you ride your bike through there, you have to have a good light or a headlamp or something. Otherwise, it's very easy to crash into the rocky side of the tunnel and hurt yourself. There's also a ditch that runs along one side that kind of draws off the groundwater that seeps in. So you got to have that light. So my wife got on her bike and she said, I'm going to go a little bit ahead of you so that we, don't, we have some space between us. And a little ways in, her light slipped on her handlebars. It was pointing down toward the ground. And so she only had a couple of feet in front of her. And she didn't dare reach forward and try to fiddle with it or she'd lose control and crash. And she didn't dare stop because she didn't know where I was and if I'd see her and crash into her. And I guess she was yelling to me to tell me what was going on, but I couldn't hear her. It was all echoey in there and I thought she was just excited. So, <laughs> so she just rode on and on and on, white knuckled, until she got down to the end of the tunnel and emerged into the light. Um, some people have been hurt in that tunnel and, and uh, uh, I was speaking in a ward in our stake as a high council speaker one time and I was sharing this experience and liking it to the light of Christ. And When I mentioned that some people have been hurt in that tunnel, crashing into the wall, they started laughing. I thought, that's rude. Laughing about the misfortune of somebody. It wasn't until after I finished talking I realized there was a woman sitting in the choir behind me with her arm in a sling. And just two weeks before, she had done the very same thing. She had crashed into the wall in the Hiawatha Trail in that tunnel and broke her arm. <laughs> So, light's important, and I'm grateful for the light that the gospel gives me in my life and the direction it, it gives me. And 
helping me avoid the crashes and injuries that can come our way. So, as you go through your life journey, you never know when you're going to be forced to do a detour. Sometimes it takes you to an even better destination than you had planned or even considered before. Uh, there's that TV commercial uh, that has a pretty catchy slogan. It says, what's in your wallet? I hope in your wallet, besides a credit card and money and driver's license, you also have some other things, like maybe pictures of your family. I'm sure you do. But also a current temple recommend. Uh, that's worth more than any credit card because it buys eternal blessings for now and in the future. This past week has been a rough one uh, for me and a lot of my colleagues. As you know, a, a close friend and, and co-worker had a massive heart attack last week very suddenly and, and died a week ago today. And it's a pretty big shock to me and, and to all of our co-workers and to a lot of the community as well. We were the same age, just a couple of months apart. and We've been working together for about 14 years. Um, in some cases on some projects that nobody else does. And, and uh, we uh, had an opportunity to talk one time. When the Boise Temple was remodeled and they had tours for the public to go through before it was dedicated, he went. And afterward, he was telling me about it and we had a little conversation. And we, he said that he had a really nice feeling when he was in there. And so I tried not to come on too strong, but I shared some of my feelings about it. I said, you know, we believe that those feelings are important. It's, we believe it's the Holy Ghost testifies to us of things that are good and true. And, and uh, all I remember what he said, he smiled and he said, well, your religion is certainly better than mine. And uh, he declined the invitation to follow up with missionaries so he didn't go any farther in there anymore. But it impressed me that a lot of people see that in the church. They see that in us if we're letting our light shine. And so... Professionally, I've had the opportunity many times, as stories have come up about the church, to be asked, what does this mean? What, what about temples? What, what is this uh, policy that your church has? And As far as I know, there's only one other person in the newsroom that's a member of the church. Uh, they're not on the air, they're, they're in management, but um, between the two of us, we've had an opportunity to try to make sure that a lot of those stories, which can be very negative, end up being very accurate and fair, if we can. So... Um, I was blessed to serve a full-time mission. I was blessed by the companions I had. I was blessed by the families I was able to teach and baptize who now have had their children and their grandchildren serve missions and spread that, that message and be married in the temple. So we're all little pebbles. We're dropped sometimes into some very big ponds, but the ripple effect goes on and on and on. Makes a big difference. And that's what I appreciate most about the blessings of the gospel in my life. My family. The temple. When I was 12 years old, I got to go do baptisms for the dead. We lived four hours away from the Mesa Temple. And we would meet at midnight and get on a bus with kids from all the other wards. In, in, it was a big stake. And we would ride up there and get to the temple early in the morning to do baptisms. And my dad was supposed to accompany us. And at the last minute, he wasn't able to because of something at work. I was disappointed, but excited to go to the temple. But finally, my name was called to go in there and be baptized. And I walked in, and standing in the font was my dad, Justin White, waiting for me to step into the font with him. He made it after all. And he baptized me for 100 names. And I always remember that, not just because I took a really good dunking that day, but because it was a really wonderful experience to, to see my dad in the temple with me, to feel that first opportunity to be in the temple and the difference it made in my life. And then, of course, the best opportunity 
experience after that was kneeling across the altar um, in the temple with friends and family around me and being sealed to the girl that I loved. Uh, my testimony, a great blessing. Striving to obey the commandments brings even more blessings. Tithing. When we first moved into a house, we were all poor. We were trying to put our yard in. Lots of members of the church were doing the same thing in the, on the street. And we couldn't afford a lawnmower. But one of the members went and bought a lawnmower at DI and said, this is available to everybody. Just make sure it's full of gas and still running when you're done with it for the next person. Well, we used it for over a year. Uh, we were all paying our tithing, and that lawnmower kept running. And so that was a testimony to me. We called it our tithing mower. And uh, it worked out well. The scriptures, daily guides in our life, the priesthood, the power of the priesthood. I lost my eyesight about two years ago. It came on very suddenly. and couldn't explain why I had to stop work. I couldn't drive. I couldn't read. I couldn't watch TV. I loved a garden, and I had planted the garden, and the tomato plants were huge. There wasn't a single tomato on them. My wife went out and looked. She said, those tomato plants are loaded with tomatoes. I couldn't see any of them. I had a blessing from a member of my ward. It was the former bishop. And in it he said, this issue will be temporary. You'll receive the restoration of your eyesight. I went to a specialist and found out that there were two very aggressive cataracts um, that had, within just weeks had just exploded in my eye and took away my vision. So I had the surgery. And within minutes, I had perfect 20-20 vision again. The colors were so vivid. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody say that, but it is amazing. Um, what a blessing in my life because of the priesthood. Living Prophets Conference taught us again how important it is to listen to the prophet. Repentance. I don't know if you think about repentance as being a blessing in your life, but it is. And finally, I am a child of God. I know Heavenly Father knows me loves me, he knows each of you by name, he knows your needs, he knows your strengths and your weaknesses, and will guide you if you seek for it. So in closing, I just want to bear my testimony. I know the gospel is true. I know Heavenly Father lives, and Jesus Christ is my Savior, and I appreciate the blessings and look for those blessings every day in my life and hope that I am using them to bless other people around me. Uh, thanks for letting me be here and bearing this testimony in the name of Jesus Christ.